Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. I hope that it is good for you. Welcome to the Israel Daily News Podcast. I'm your host, Shanna Fold, and I'm here to get you caught up quickly. I've got some top news stories for you today from Israel, and guess what? You're listening, so you're already on top of your game. Survive and thrive, people knowledge is the best weapon. Today is Thursday, April 28th, 2022 in the Gregorian calendar and the 27th of Nisan 5782 in the Hebrew calendar. Today is Yom HaShoah, Israel's National Holocaust Remembrance Day, and it is a sad day across the country. Last night, stores and restaurants closed shop at 6 p.m., and this morning there was was a two-minute siren at 10 a.m. where people stopped everything, even driving, cars just stop to observe the moment and remember the 6 million people who died in the Holocaust. We are going to have some more on that later in the show. Now, let's get to the news. The Israel Defense Forces are calling up a list of reserve officers to guard the border at the West Bank so that Palestinians cannot illegally cross into Israel. Chief of Staff Aviv Kohavi decided to bring in the reserve battalions after an assessment showed that this was needed. Six reserve units will be called up for a number of rounds of duty, and it will help the military put troops into the command, into the central command, get to a full operational place, and also train younger IDF soldiers. The idea is to prevent potential terrorists from crossing into the country illegally by crouching through holes in the fence that separate the West Bank from Israel. Two of the four terror attacks that Israel recently faced have come from Palestinian men who entered Israel through a hole in the border fence. The IDF is working to prevent this from happening again and also to prevent vehicles from crossing over into sections that they are not supposed to or don't have the permits to cross. Jordanian officials are gearing up for a talk with Israel about the Temple Mount And that's supposed to happen after Ramadan. A Jordanian official told the United States that the diplomatic effort is meant to deal with the roots of the tension and ensure that this matter does not explode again. We've been covering this for weeks, that there have been tensions at the Temple Mount. Jordan is responsible for the security and management of the Temple Mount, which is a historic place inside the old city of Jerusalem in Israel. And this is a religious site for Jews Christians and Muslims, the Kingdom of Jordan will ask Israel to relinquish any current control over the Temple Mount and to respect the historic status quo and return to conditions familiar to the Temple Mount from 22 years ago. Now you may ask, what were conditions like 22 years ago? I did some digging, made some calls, and ended up with a phone number of American-Israeli journalist Yisrael Medad who wrote a book called Jerusalem's Temple Mount, a Jewish-Muslim flashpoint. Well, I think he might have the answers. Well, very simply, as only a journalist could, I asked Mr. Madad what conditions were like 22 years ago that the Jordanian Waqf would like to go back to, and he said... 22 years ago, Israel violated its own status quo principle and closed the mound to Jews for almost three years. That's it. There you have it. That's the answer. I am going to be following this story to see if Jordan does, in fact, make a request to keep Jews off of the Temple Mount. 
I myself have been up to the Temple Mount, but I went there as a tourist. And when I went up to the Temple Mount, I was told by Jordanian officials that I needed to hide my Star of David necklace and tuck it under my under my shirt. It's not supposed to be seen and that I should make sure that it does not look like I am praying because Jewish prayer is not allowed on the Temple Mount. It is offensive to the Muslims as they say that this is their religious place. For Christians and Jews, they're allowed up on the Temple Mount only as tourists during certain hours of the day, and until 2003, only five could visit at a time. In 2003, it was increased to 10 a day. In 2010, 20 a day. And in 2011, 50 at a time. There are also age restrictions put into place around that happened around 2003, which prohibited men from worshiping on the Temple Mount if they were under the age of 45. Then, in 2017, the age limit was pushed up to 50. A group of Arab-Israeli teenagers participated in the March of the Living on Thursday with their youth movement, making them the first ever Arab-Israeli youth delegation to participate in the March, which is an educational experience for people who want to learn about the Holocaust. The group known as Atidna brought 103 Arab-Israeli teens to Poland to march alongside Holocaust survivors as they walk through concentration camps and death camps. Touring Auschwitz was the hardest part for these teens as they saw piles of shoes and eyeglasses that once belonged to victims. The group's goal was to provide Holocaust education to Arab-Israeli youth. Ali, the movement's social media manager, said in a Jerusalem Post article that if we, Arab and Jewish Israelis, want to have a shared life, come here and see what happened to the Jewish people. And he was referring to getting to take a look at the concentration camps and the death camps in Poland. And now for some Israeli Holocaust-related stories in honor of Yom HaShoah. Shoah, by the way, means the Holocaust in Hebrew, and Yom means day, so day of the Holocaust. Israel's Mossad, or intelligence agency, released the testimonies of two Holocaust survivors who secretly served key roles in the agency without any of their colleagues ever knowing that they were survivors. Sylvia, a former senior operations commander, was born in Bialystok, which is a city in Poland, in 1940 and currently has three children and six grandchildren. She lived in the Warsaw Ghetto with her mother, who threw her over the wall in an attempt to save her. Sylvia ended up in an orphanage in Krakow and was adopted by a Christian couple. But after the war, her aunt found her and the two of them immigrated to Israel together in 1950. I have chills from this story. Chaim Victor Tayar, the second survivor whose testimony was released, was born in 1935 in Tripoli, Libya. That's Africa, where his family was deported to a detention camp in Tunisia. Later, they were sent to Algeria and lived in a concentration camp located in the Sahara Desert. I bet you didn't know that the Holocaust extended into these territories as well. Yes, it did. And in Greece as well, in places that a lot of people don't realize. Eventually, after the war, the family moved to Israel in 1947. Tyar currently has two children and five grandchildren and held many important positions in operations technology within the Mossad. He told the Jerusalem Post, As a child who was persecuted by the Holocaust and experienced firsthand the terrible atrocities, for me, serving in the Mossad and contributing to the security of the State of Israel is a huge personal achievement. 
If you are getting caught up on your Israel Daily News, we'd like you to consider sending over a monthly contribution at anchor.fm slash Israel Daily News slash support. The financial support that we get from subscribers helps us maintain our show and it helps us to continue to grow and try to reach new audiences. Subscribers will get a handwritten thank you note and a little poem that I write myself to let you know how thrilled we are to have your support. Thank you for your interest in Israeli affairs, Israeli politics, our world politics. We have one link in the show notes which you can click on and that'll take you to the page where you too can feel good about making a contribution and knowing that you're supporting independent journalism. Thank you to Dave Gitlin who sent us a one-time contribution in bulk. If you want to send that to me, you can. He sent over a donation to us and the text said, keep up the good work. I was so proud and encouraged. Thank you so much, Dave, for listening to our show and for sending all kinds of great things my way. You're always sending me chocolate bars, technology. You're sending parts for the phone and the computer and anything that you think might help me to get my work done. And this contribution was just so kind. Thank you very much. You can check us out at our website at israeldaily.news. You can also support us by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. That's number one. Number two, you can share the show with a friend. And number three, you can follow us on Facebook at israeldaily.news as well as Shanafold. My name has two N's in it and I'm very sensitive about that. You can also follow us on Twitter at Israel Podcast. The Jerusalem Post has a nice piece about today out today about Muslim Palestinians and Jews breaking bread together during a kosher iftar in Hebron, or Hebron in English. Iftar is the breakfast meal that comes at sunset for Muslims who fast for the holiday of Ramadan. Ramadan lasts an entire month. The event was hosted by Hebron businessman Ashraf Jabari, together with the Judea and Samaria Chamber of Commerce. Jabari started the tradition of a kosher dinner in 2019 when the Jerusalem Post says the Trump administration was keen on speaking with grassroots peace organizers instead of the Palestinian Authority, which is the official governing body of the West Bank. And Hebron is a city inside of the West Bank, a historic city. Attending one of these events could get many Palestinians in deep trouble or in the very least named a traitor in the community. Members of the Jewish community told the J-Post it's a shame that with such a deep history, Hebron is not a thriving tourist city. Although, if you know anything about it, you probably have an idea why. It's a very violent and extremist place for both Muslims and Jews. A Muslim attorney who was invited to come to this meal from Jerusalem made his way over. He said that he was expecting to sit down with very left-wing Jews but instead ate in a room full of right-wing Orthodox Jews, leaving him with a reality he had not imagined. I like to share these stories about peace and coexistence. All right, well, we are coming to a conclusion for today's show, but I am going to have another few words about the Holocaust, okay? In the meantime, today is Thursday, April 28th, 2022. Tel Aviv has a low of 14 degrees Celsius and a high of 23 degrees. That's 59 degrees Fahrenheit for the low, going up to 74 degrees for the high. Subscribe to the Israel Daily News podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever 
you're hearing it from. We are everywhere. Don't forget to sign up to our Israel Weekly News Wrap. It's a newsletter with the top five stories coming out of Israel from throughout the week. I also usually add in a few personal anecdotes so you can get the inside scoop on what's going on in my personal life. And I always mention our professional highlights from the Israel Daily News podcast as well. You can sign up for that on our website at israeldaily.news. Thank you to our intern, Arit Skolnik, for writing some of today's stories. I'm going to send you off today with a song called Male by Mayor Malik. He is an American-Israeli musician and songwriter and singer who lives here in Israel. He was so inspired by one female Holocaust survivor that he wrote and produced an entire song about her. And it's being released today. So the Israel Daily News podcast is one of the first to get this song out there. And it was produced by a major producer in New York. I'm going to read you a bit about the song so that you can understand. Mayer says that he read Mali's heroic story and could not believe this brave and courageous woman never had a proper dedication. Mali was born in Antwerp, Belgium, and was kicked out of medical school in 1938 for being Jewish. She began teaching music in hiding, but was then caught and sent off to Auschwitz. In Auschwitz, she smacked an officer who she saw harass a woman. On death row, she was promoted to chief translator and snuck out the explosives that were used to blow up one of the crematoriums located at the Birkenau death camp. A lot of those crematoriums were blown up to try to hide evidence. She was caught after escaping and on her way to the gallows. She attempted to take her own life before being burnt alive. A story about her goes that she was so beloved that a crowd assembled and shouted her name out twice when she was returned to Auschwitz after she had been turned over by the Nazis. She actually escaped and was hiding in Poland. The double call of Male's name as the crowd chanted it stuck out to Mayer, who is the son of a man who was born to two Holocaust survivors in 1946. Mayer says his family endured horrific torture and lost countless family members, including young children, And he says that they still suffer from trauma till this day. Listen to the song. Have a meaningful day, an excellent weekend, and Shabbat Shalom, everyone. She's alone in the basement. She's got a candle and it's burning all right. She's got a pearl and it's aching. Taking on a track in the middle of night. She knows.
are the human race.